you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. LAS Studios. Just a heads up that we are not clinical experts, and if you need professional support, there will be some links and resources listed in the podcast description. I remember the first time I met Rene. You may know him as Residente, the Puerto Rican rapper, artist, and filmmaker, winner of 27 Latin Grammys and four U.S. Grammys. He was a part of Calle 13, an alternative hip-hop, rap, and reggaeton group. But it's really hard to put a label on them since they are so much more. I love his music, and when I first discovered him, I was in such awe of him. His passion for social justice and him just being unapologetic. And I just, I've always thought that he has been such a great advocate for our community. And his focus and dedication is something to be admired. That was his single, Atrévete Tete. <laughs> Um, I love this song so much. It, it was how I discovered Calle 13. And I, I'm sure if Rene hears this, he'll think I'm corny. But this track is so amazing because it was so uplifting, because it was so atrevido, you know, it was so like, you know, the first line is literally like, come out of the closet and fucking dare, dare to be yourself, dare to dream, dare to fucking have fun and dance and you know, everything that he says in this song was everything that I wanted to be. And it was so validating for me to see someone with such a similar background moving in this world in their own terms. And it is what I long to do. His art felt real. And since I've met Rene, he has been so generous and supportive through sharing his collaborative energy uh, and his talent and his gift with not just me, but with the world. And it was clear to me when we first met up how generous he was because he was sitting next to the Oscar award-winning director Alejandro Iñárritu and he invited me to sit and have dinner with them. Casual, like René would. Yeah, that day I was talking with, with Alejandro about every now and then I meet with him because it's kind of like a... He doesn't know it. Or maybe he do, but it's kind of like a mentor to me. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I try to ask questions all the time. And actually, I started to, to do it uh, later, you know, after we met, like, because we met back in the days. And, and then uh, I never asked him about anything related to movies or film. And he was the one asking me questions about music mm -hmm. all the time. And I, mm -hmm. and I remember that I really wanted to ask him questions. But every time that we went to dinner or something, I ended up answering questions about music instead of me understanding how, how he works. Uh, and I remember we met also in Amsterdam with El Chivo, the, the DP, uh -huh. El Hueski, and him. 
And, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. Now I'm going to do all the questions. And it was the opposite. Both of them <laughs> asking me like about stage and about the writing process and everything. And I, I, and I was happy, but at the same time, I was like, oh, man, I really wanted to ask, ask them so many questions. Yeah. So anyways. I remember I remember when I when I also asked you about music and you immediately were like, no, that I mean, that's something that I do, but I'm really yeah. interested in directing and this is my passion and this is what I'm working on right now, um, which makes so much sense to me. And, and then that's why I'm, I'm just so interested in your work as a director, because you've always been such an artist that doesn't shy away from those challenges or like the human experience. Throughout this interview, I tried to get René to talk about his mental health because this is a mental health podcast. But with René, he quickly let me know that his art speaks for itself. And it's clear that he draws his strength from it without shying away from his pain. More in a minute. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps. Alias has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAS.com slash events. René is a fucking genius, and I wanted to know where that genius came from. It's not that I was feeling bad all the time, you know, my family loved me, but I know that, yeah, I felt less. Also, I saw my grades, like they were awful, and, <laughs> and I was, like, they kicked me out of school, like, five times, and I, I went to psychologist, and I, they, at first, they didn't know that I have ADHD, so my dad solved it with just you know, hitting me in the head, like, stop, because mm -hmm. I, I was all the time like this, you know, mm -hmm. in, the, in the fucking table while we were eating. And my dad is brilliant, but it's like, at that time, you didn't right. have that. So let's solve mm -hmm. the problem. So right. then, all of this uh, situation, I think that, that helped me out at the end, and, and my necessity of feeling maybe useful, and maybe making my family proud, you know, like mm -hmm. my dad proud of me. And I remember my first drawings because it was a different career, like a different way that I was taking because everyone mm -hmm. else was, actually my, my sister was into acting, mm -hmm. but the other one was, it's a lawyer and the other one is an architect. So it was like I was, my dad feeling proud of the drawings, you know, was kind of like a first thing. And my mom too, like, oh, so I'm doing it good. 
And I don't know that, I think my trying to make my family proud helped me out and trying to find something to do with my life also helped me out. I think necessity is the mother of all of the inventions. You know, mm-hmm. my first thing was college. Like, oh, I want to study at SCAT. I want to, I'm going to get a fellowship. And, and that was the first thing. And then I kept doing things like that inside college. Oh, I right. want to do, I have this idea. No, but that's impossible. <laughs> yeah, and I did it. And then I kept going, doing stuff. Oh, I want to do my, my master project is going to be, a short film, but it's going to be a video installation. And it's going to, yeah, but man, for that, you have to go into film because you're in animation. So, you know, all the time they put you things. Yeah. And, and you just have to say, okay, but so I did it with rap. My mom, oh, yeah, no, that's impossible, Rene. No, imagine you. And a year, Calle 13 was done. You know, it's so, it's, it's just a matter of, of believing and doing it. And of course, you have to be good. In order to be good, you have to know that you have to practice. I think that from all of my family, it's not that I'm the dumbest. And my brother, <laughs> I always bring my brother, the hater too, Gabriel, because it's, we're kind of like the same. Like we have the same struggle in school. Uh-huh. And all of my sisters and brothers, they had good grades. You know, my sisters, mm-hmm. they were like brilliant. Like three of them, they were like, one was two years in, in front. That's what you say. Like, like She like skipped. She skipped two years. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was like she went to college when she was 15 or 16. Okay. You know, like, oh, so, you know, genius, so genius type of. That, yeah, yeah. Like, like that. So imagine. And we were like fucked up in school, my brother and, and, and me, like super, like bad grades. I think that the professors, teachers, they didn't understand us maybe, or I didn't mm-hmm. understand them for sure. I was like thinking about other stuff. Uh, so I, I, I think that I was, uh, how do you say it? Subestimado, uh, underestimated. Uh, underestimated most of the time. Uh-huh. I think that maybe not my family, but without knowing it, they were doing it a little bit, you know? <laughs> like, claro. Yeah, it's not gonna happen, you know, with Rene and Gabriel. So maybe because I was underestimated, I practice more. And that's what I do all the time since I'm a kid. So when mm-hmm. I write, I don't write whatever I write first and that's it and th- this is great. No, I really not only practice and write every day, but also I don't stop till I f- think it's perfect for me. And maybe it's because of that complex that I brought from my childhood that at the end, you know, it ended up helping me out, you know, mm-hmm. to make it better. Yeah. What I love about Rene is the revolutionary love and spirit that is expressed through his art. Well, it's something that comes, it's organic. You know, it's something that I, that as a human being and as a Puerto Rican, I feel the need to say something uh, with my work. You know, it, it's not something that, that I feel obligated to is just uh, I just say it because that's the way I am. And if mm-hmm. I wasn't residente, I would be doing the same, but maybe without a without a crowd. <laughs> but <laughs> for me, it's a, it's a responsibility that I have as a human being. Every human being has a, a responsibility of of being aware of what's happening in their society to be socially conscious. And for me, what it's difficult is how I make that 
in a way that the industry can see it as a business for them. And because otherwise it's very difficult, you know, mm -hmm. and you have to see how you, you manage to balance and to say all, all of the things that you want to say in a way that first people can understand it. Because if you go too intellectual, maybe, or too poetic, you, you get, you, you disconnect with the crowd. So it's very difficult to say something that has value and uh, socially speaking and, and, and that it's accessible. Uh, and also that, that you can earn a budget to keep going, you know? Mm -hmm. At the beginning for me it was very difficult because I was too passionate. I'm still passionate, but I, I didn't have that balance. So I was like, you know, throwing shit to everyone and to the, even to my team, you know, I didn't care. Like if I felt that, that something was wrong and it wasn't honest, I was like, what the fuck? And I, and I said it on stage and I didn't care. In a way it was good because it gave me, you know, I learned a lot also with what I represent. It gave me kind of like a, I don't want to call it brand because it's bad, but it's kind like of like an edge. Yeah. Like an edge that, Later on, I was able to balance a little bit. I still have, like, I have all the edge. And for some people, it's like, when I go to meetings, they're like a little scared, you know? And it's like, no, it's, <laughs> it's cool, man. You know, it's, everything is nice. I, right. I was never, like, against everything. It's just that I didn't like the dishonesty that I felt uh, sometimes in the music industry and also around me in different situations and also mm. social issues that I lived. Like every time that I went to a country and I, I, you know, the crowd, the people, the fans, they started to tell me what was happening there and I was getting mad. And of course I, it was like a process. They told me about the things that were happening. Then with my brother, we, we did research and then we, we realized, man, we have to talk about this. And then we started to talk about that. And then, you know, people started to, to keep uh, sending us things. And, you know, imagine in eight years of that, your head is going to explode because of all of the information. And so you're already very uh, sensitive about whatever. So if someone says something that it's kind of like not good, you already have all this information in your head and you go all the way full power against, you know, so... How do you quiet the noise? Well, it was uh, several things. As I told you, it's a learning process. Like 70% of the things that I said, like I'm very impulsive because I'm ADHD and I'm like very hyperactive and I say whatever I have in my head right away and then I say, oh shit, you know. But, you know, at, the, at that time, 70% of the things that I was saying, they were amazing. But the other 30, they were fucked up. You know, like it was <laughs> fucked up for me. So... So I had to, I figure it out myself, little by little, you know, learning and, and going in, in, into trouble, like being in trouble with, with several people. You know, sometimes the people and your fans and, and maybe not fans, you know, haters too, mm -hmm. they, they fire you. You know, they say things uh, because, because now the social media is huge. At that time, it was starting but I didn't know how to manage social media yet. You know, I was starting to understand, oh, I have haters. I didn't know, you know, like, 
before everything was great because you just go to the concert and you see the people in the concert and that, those are your fans. The hair uh -huh. doesn't get near you. Mm -hmm. But when Twitter started, like I was like, oh, so I have people. Oh, I didn't know that. And so, you know, re in relation with uh, social issues, like you have people like saying stuff also all the time to you in a good way. You're like, you know, mm -hmm. ba 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 And I was doing a lot of things because of myself and because of the people who were saying to me, like in, in person, but also I was connected with social media on, and what the people were saying, socially speaking to me too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was, I, I, I was with so much pressure, uh, you know, over me that later on I realized that these people that are saying a lot of things to me on, or maybe judging me, they wouldn't do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So then I started to, to balance and to understand that maybe in my record label, maybe there are people that are good people that they want to really make great music and want to make a statement and make, uh, send a message, a social message, message too. So I started to, como se dice, like to, to recognize or to identify the people that maybe they can be part of my clan, you know, and part mm -hmm. of my, my gang. And that's how I started to make a balance, identifying the people. Community? No, it's identifying the people inside the industry that, that I thought that they were going to be like me also, because at mm -hmm. first I was at war with mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And then I started to do that. And guess what? The, the Latin America video was paid with money from Adidas. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the people that they were saying, oh, you have to do this socially or you have to move and do this. It wasn't the people that do a lot of social work. No, it was by that. So that, that's when I said, okay, you know what? Adidas no me usa, yo estoy usando Adidas. And that, that I, I created that slogan. Mm -hmm. Adidas doesn't use me, I use Adidas. The thing is that, for me was, okay, it's a matter of learning how to use everything that's, that, you know, that, that you can use in order to put a message out, you know? You know, a lot of the time I feel frustrated trying to find the right balance of maintaining my integrity while also making yeah. it possible for my work to actually be seen. How do you get your message across while staying true to yourself? Yeah. It was like that, and I remember this, I, I said in one song once, my label is not Sony, my label is the people. Mm -hmm. Like in one of the phrases, and the Sony CEO responded, and some of those people work at Sony. And it was a nice comeback, and I was, uh, he's a friend, uh, uh -huh. and I was like, yeah, it's true. And that's how little by little I started to learn how to work with the people that really want to make things better. And it, it don't matter where they are but, or, or way they work because I know that they're kind of infiltrated in a way. Mm -hmm. And also that they, yeah, they, they paying the bills and helping their families. And that was the idea all the time. The idea was to maintain in a balance, but sometimes you can get lost. And that's what happened to me. I didn't get lost, but I was in a moment that 
it, it was difficult for me because I was representing a lot of things and also the, the newspapers, they, they were putting like titles to me that I never thought that I really deserved, but mm -hmm. they were doing that and, and talking to me as a revolutionary guy. And I'm like, no, no, I, I, I'm not that. I'm just a rapper and I'm doing this. More with René after this. I'm LA's senior education reporter, Mariana Dale. The communities that are more marginalized or that do not have access are the ones that are in most need. I help families understand, navigate, and engage with the forces that shape education from kindergarten through high school. How do I explain to my daughter that the same day you got to celebrate a birthday, you got to celebrate the day your mama left. And I make space for students to tell their own stories. LA's independent journalism, fact-based journalism. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. <laughs> yeah, I think they're so smart. Just, what the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. What inspires you creatively? The best time is when you feel that you really want to make something. You know, I have my, my moments during the day that I can tell you. It's like, it's like when you go hunting a deer and you're waiting for, you can be waiting the whole day, but once the deer is there, you have to catch the deer. Otherwise, if you move for a second, that deer is going to go away and then it's going to take you another day to find it. And it's the same way, like when you feel that energy that you really want to write something, do it because it doesn't matter if it's at five in the morning, at 12 at night, you just have to sit down and write and do whatever you, you want to do at that moment. Because maybe an hour later, you're not going to have that energy. And when you have that energy is when the creative process uh, runs better, you know, it's be it goes better for you. So mm -hmm. that's what I, what I do. But I work usually during the night. I really like during the night because I, during the day I'm doing this, I'm on calls, I'm working with, you know, with my son, I'm playing. And during the night, everything is silent. Uh, and when I say night, it's like from 11 to 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are like mm -hmm. sleeping. So I use that moment. Uh, I used to also use in the morning, like very early in the morning, mm -hmm. when Milo was born, I needed to change my mm -hmm. schedule. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to wake up at six. For me, that's super in the morning. And I was doing everything early. And it was good, you know, it was good yeah. too. But when I feel more... I don't know that I, I'm drinking mm -hmm. the beer or, or, or a little bit of rum and I'm writing, I'm more nostalgic. It's like during the night and on flights too, long flights on a plane. Mm. I like to do that too. Mm. What, d do you have to be like in a certain state? Like, and, and I'm asking more because I, I wonder, do you, do you have like any rituals 
I'm interested because I I'm finding like this whole question about making art and suffering, right? And like how in your mental state do you feel the most creative? Are are you in the best time of your life now that you are mentally kind of yeah, understand. understanding like, like, of yourself or, or I don't know, like like I also spoke with Ruben because I talked to him a lot. It's like, you know, Ruben is in in music and in Yarrito in film. <laughs> so I those are my mentors for me, you know. And and he it's told me mentors. Yeah, yeah, they're great. And and he Ruben told me that when he writes better is when he's mad. And I apply that several times and it worked uh, because that energy it gives you like a drive that helps you out, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Anything that stimulates your brain in a certain way, even sexually, everything. Mm -hmm. like, like it's about stimulating your brain and using that stimulation to write, you know. Uh, I do that. Uh, I like to see pictures. I like to see movies also in between writing. I listen to music. Right right now I'm listening to music uh, while I'm writing the movie. I think that when you're sad, anything that you're feeling is going to help. Like when you're sad, you're going to write in a certain way. And when you're right. angry, you're going to write in a certain way and everything helps. And when you're happy, all of the emotions are going to help. Uh, right. Yeah, the important thing is to write. Like some people, they stay and they want to write and they make a lot of research and they start reading a lot. And it's great to read. But if you want to be a writer, you have to write. You know, right. and if you want to be, you know, I'm not, I'm not considering myself a writer, a novelist, but in music, like some people listen to a lot of music. And it's like, man, you just have to start putting words there. And even if you don't want to write, you just start typing. You, just, you have to start typing some words and start writing some stuff. And you're going to get somewhere, you know, but you have to write. Do you yeah. write every day? Is that part of like, is that every part day. of what? Yeah. Every day I write. It's like a practice for me. I write. It could be an idea for a commercial for my beer, or it could be for the movie, or it could be a song. But every day I write. There is no day that I don't write, for real. I don't remember the last day that I didn't write. Maybe even in vacation, I'm writing punchlines on the phone. You know, like it's like because it's kind of like an exercise. It's like eating for me. You know, you have to eat every day. So it's the same. It's making so much sense to me that you're so consistent with with your work and yet still still so evolving or and ever evolving. How does how do you stay evolving? Yeah, challenging yourself. Like you have to challenge yourself. You have to try to like I I, I usually don't like the first thing that I do, you know, so I I, I keep challenging myself in order to make whatever I did better. It's like that, like, and that, that's how you evolve because you start like trying to do something better than the last thing that you did. Also, it's nice to have a nice team around you to have that. And I have my brother, Gabriel, and he helped me out so much because he's, he's a hater <laughs> and he's a, yeah, he's the best hater ever. And, and, but he's a fan too, you know, mm -hmm. he's a fan and a hater and he takes my, my, 
you know, what I write sometimes and I say, bro, like this sucks. Like this, like he pushed me more. And sometimes I have to find the limits, you know, and I have to say, okay, I know it's good, you know, and even though most of the time, actually 98% of the time is, is good because also he approved it. Right. You know, I never, if I put something out that he didn't approve, like I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel guilty later on. Right. So I, I, I really try to convince him sometimes, you know, bro, about this. And sometimes I do, you know, and say, or sometimes he gave me like a really so much hating. And later on he calls me back like, man, it's, uh, it's fine. Like <laughs> I was, maybe I was too exaggerated, you know, it's, it's okay. But to have someone like that, it's perfect yeah. because sometimes you lose track. At first it's easy because you're starting. So you have that, but there's a moment when you're already known and people are already going to like stuff that you're going to put out that you can relay on that and, and not do too much, you know? Right. So that's the way to evolve, to have a hater on the team and also to, to try to challenge yourself every time, you know? What about personally? Like, um, like when you're maybe having a difficult time understanding something about yourself do you see someone professionally like are you do you do therapy or do, is there anyone that you that you talk to that's where it's a professional well i i haven't done it in a while like like i had i had a a psychologist and she was helping me you know i started out i didn't want to go to a psychologist because i thought that i was like you know that i can deal with my stuff i started out with a with a psychologist, uh, she was a, how do you say it? Like, like for relationships. So like I, I started couple, with like a couples like, therapist. Yeah. Like I started out like that. Otherwise I wouldn't go. Like I was like, ah, I don't need this shit. And I went because of that. Oh, let's, let's go for the couple and whatever. <laughs> and, and then, and then I started to, I, I went once by myself and she was very helpful, but she, she didn't help me out with, my writing or anything it was more about stage you know like like the things that i was saying at that time and how like putting myself in danger too much mm -hmm. uh, because you know I, we got shot in venezuela going to the airport once you know things mm -hmm. like that i was all the time receiving death threats you know it's not the same as here you know and though they fuck the police but after that you know they have the headphones everything it's fine like over mm -hmm. there uh, it's like victor hara they cut his hands right. because they believed he was a communist and you know like it's it's tough like when you mm -hmm. say things in latin america right so i was saying stuff and, and i was getting death threats all the time so, and and she was trying to help me out with uh, the way i was saying things that maybe i can say the same thing without putting myself in danger so she helped me out with that, and that's when I used her. Uh, for my writing, I've never used uh, anyone, you know, I, for, for my writing. Uh, right. So. I love that. I wish I had that. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I, and the thing is, I do. I do have ADD. Believe me, I can't concentrate worth a shit. But then again, I, I absolutely let those ideas of, like, people don't like me or that they don't like my work or that I'm, you know, this idea that I have to please folks sort of they they infiltrate 
me, even with the ADD and, and then, so I, I'm just completely fucked. Um, anyway, not, but and that's, and this, and this is why I need the therapy so that I yeah, can yeah, yeah. drown out all the things that don't matter. Rene, as a Latinx man, did you ever consider doing therapy? Culturally, did you ever feel the pressure of machismo or like you weren't able to ask for help ever? No, I, I really want, like, actually, I, I, I'm waiting for something to, to get done, to start again, <laughs> uh, maybe. But I, it's not because of a machismo thing that I don't want to, I don't want that help. It's just that, like, I really feel sure about what I'm doing. Like, I, I have that. I don't know, like people told me, oh, you can like, oh, you're going to make movies now. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I know I'm going to do it and I'm going to, I'm going to kill it. And that's my spirit. And that's what I feel. And, Uh and that's what I always did since the beginning. I think that once you feel that way, it's very difficult to go back, you know, Mm -hmm. to, Mm -hmm. and, and to feel insecure. Like once you break that barrier and, and I, I was lucky to, to break that barrier or, that, or feeling that way early in my life. This has been an incredible conversation, René. I, I thank you so much for, for coming on with me and, and, and doing this little experiment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So I Absolutely. see you. I hope to see you soon. <laughs> I hope to see you soon. All right, honey. Thank you. Gracias. Yeah, No, I'm Not Okay is a production of LAS Studios. Remember to rate and review our show. I just found out that it helps other people find it. So if you like it, share it with your friends. The more people we can get to have conversations about mental health, the better. If you've got a story you want to share about how you deal with mental health issues, send it my way. Record it on your phone's voice memo app and email it to yano at lasstudios.com. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to get the latest episodes with a note from me, recommendations from our listeners and our team, and listener stories. Sign up at las.com slash newsletters. Jessica Pilot is our talent manager and producer. Our executive producers are Leo G and me, Diane Guerrero. Web designed by Andy Cheatwood at the digital and marketing teams at Southern California Public Radio. Thanks to the team at LAS Studios, including Taylor Kaufman, Kristen Hayford, Kristen Muller, Michael Constantino, Robert Joe, Mildred Langford, and Leo G. And a special thanks to Brian Crawford. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Additional support comes from the Angel Foundation, supporting transformational leaders, and by the California Healthcare Foundation, dedicated to improving the mental health care system for all Californians. Studios. 
Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at las.com slash events. See you there.